Hello listener and welcome to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Thank you so much for finding time to join me. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mahangi. Pastor Kigundu Ndege is on standby with the family segment. Today he will talk about spiritual responsibility in marriage. Brother Steve Rundu will also be joining us during the Bible segment today. He will talk about stewardship of the poor. Stay tuned for this and some songs which are in store for you. Here's a song, Time to Depart, by Christ Loyal Squire. We 
This is a new life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Get ready to listen to Pastor Kigundu with the Family Life segment. Be blessed. listener we want to welcome you again to our marriage series the abundant life is based on uh, john 10 verse 10 where jesus says i have come that they may have life and have it to the full i am convinced that abundant life includes our marriage and that's why i want us to look today at the spiritual responsibility in marriage Cecil Myers said, Successful marriage is always a triangle, a man, a woman, and a God. Well, dear listener, think about it. Is your marriage successful? Is God the important leader in your marital relationship? Even if your spouse isn't walking in spiritual obedience, have you invited God to be the leader in your relationship, even if he's the silent partner, until your spouse spiritually wakes up? Think about it. Today, we are focusing on the subject of spiritual responsibility in marriage. I will begin talking to husbands. Husbands, spiritually bathe your wives. What do I mean? I've been told many times that a huge concern expressed by women is that their husbands are contributing little, if anything, to the spiritual health of their marriage. They say things like, he's a great husband, but he doesn't give me what I need spiritually. Now, there are two things husbands need to understand about this subject. One, one of the hardest things for husbands to remember when it comes to our bride is to do what Christ showed us by his example, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water from the word. That is found in Ephesians 5 verse 26. For some reason, many of us husbands neglect doing this. But each day is a new beginning, so today could be a good day to start. It's better late than never. As we follow Christ's example and lovingly pray for our bride and wash her in the word of God, we strengthen our marital intimacy and bond more than almost anything else we can do for her. To wash our wives in the word doesn't mean preaching to her. 
That can make her feel like a child if she doesn't appreciate this. But it's communicating the gospel with and without the words. Even if your wife is hostile to your sharing the word of God with her, you can still pray a blessing silently over her and ask God to show you how to bond you closer together. For those of you who do have a wife who'd enjoy this spiritual connection, would like to share with you some insights from Eddie found in the Marriage Missions website. He says, probably the single most important thing that my wife of 28 years and I have learned is to pray for each other out loud every day. I am supposed to be her covering. I wouldn't want my wife going out into the world naked for men to look at. If I don't cover her each and every day, then spiritually I am sending her out naked for the enemy to see. We pray out loud so that we can hear with our ears and get it into our minds that we are loved and cared for. Also, we know that the enemy doesn't know everything like our father does. So we pray out loud so that he can hear. We do this even when we are angry with each other. It's amazing how hard it is to stay angry with someone when you hear them praying just for you and even harder to stay angry with someone while you are praying God's blessing on them for the day. That's great advice, isn't it? The following are some additional tips that you might find helpful as well in uniting you and your wife closer together. Number one, find a devotional, well, maybe on marriage, that you can read together every night before you turn out the lights. Number two, read scripture together. You can do this even a few verses or chapters at a time and then share insights that come to mind. Number three, when God teaches you or you learn something from his word, be sure to share that with your wife. It may bless and enrich her life as well. Number four, ask your wife how you can be praying for her throughout the day while you are apart. Number five, start the day by praying together and or end the day this way, whichever works out best. This practice will greatly enrich your marriage with your wife. As we take spiritual responsibility in our marriages, we may find that other problem areas will begin to resolve themselves as well. And men, love your wife enough to resist the temptation to chastise your wife if she isn't doing what we will share next. So wives, listen. You are not your husband's Holy Spirit. Yes, you are his partner, and you may need to speak the truth in love to him at times. But sometimes wives do too much horizontal talking and not enough vertical talking to God over matters that bother them about their husbands. Sometimes the words of wives can get in the way of what God intends to do if they are said when the husband's ears are not receptive to hearing what they have to say. It usually takes a lot of years of anguish to finally listen to the Lord over this matter. It is then wives come to realize that it's not their responsibility as wives to shame or accuse their husbands for not being spiritual enough. That is, if they perceive them to be lacking. We are told in the Bible in Galatians 5 verse 1 to 5, If someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. 
carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the laws of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his load. What I see from this scripture is that wives are to be gentle if they are to restore him. But wives are also warned to watch themselves because they could be tempted to do what they shouldn't be doing, like saying more than they should, or saying it in the wrong manner or timing, or pointing out the speck in his eye when they have a log in their own eyes. Therefore, women should be careful in their spiritual walk with the Lord so that they aren't hypocritical in their interactions. The Bible says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That is recorded in James 1 verse 22 to 24. So ladies, don't allow the problems you see in your hands but to distract you from the living Christ. If you feel you have to nag or berate your husband to get him to wake up spiritually, beware. You are stepping into Holy Spirit's territory. Be your husband's prayer partner and ask the Lord to show you how to love him as unto the Lord. Know when to say something and when to be quiet. God will lead you as you draw close to him and ask and receive. We pray that each of you will be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in carrying out your spiritual responsibilities. And we leave you with this passage in 1 Peter 4 verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. May God richly bless your marriage today. Tune to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. This is your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Our producer would love to have your thoughts about this program. Please send them to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. You can also reach us through AWR Nairobi at eku.adventist.org. Let us now listen to Lunga Lunga Church Choir with the song Furaha Wapendwa. Furo, pero no, 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 no,
It is another opportunity to get some spiritual nourishment from Brother Steve Rondo. Welcome, Brother. Stewardship of the poor. Our key text today comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. I will read, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time, or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. God's laws showcase His priorities. We see God's special concern for the poor in Israel's gleaning laws, which required farmers to leave the leftovers from the harvest lying in the fields for the hungry. For a beautiful practical application of this principle at work, read the book of Ruth, chapters 2 all the way to chapter 3. Theologian Douglas Mix observes, the leaning rights and not voluntary acts of charity for the rich of the rich toward the poor, they are the poor's rights to livelihood. If a person is temporarily or permanently unable to secure the necessities of life through his own labors, it is the community's responsibilities to share its provisions. Church Father John Chrysostom declares, Need alone is the poor man's worthiness. If anyone at all ever comes to us with his recommendation, let us not meddle any further. We do not provide for the manners but for the man. We show mercy on him not because of his virtue but because of his misfortune, in order that we ourselves may receive from the master his great mercy. I beg you, remember this without fail, that not to share our own wealth with the poor is theft from the poor and deprivation of the means of life. We do not possess our own wealth but God's. Down through the ages, reflects philosopher Nicholas Walterstorff, the church has often spoken to the well to do all their duty to it that the poor have access to means of sustenance. Probably more often than it has spoken of the right of the poor to such access. He continues, In these passages, however, the talk is all of the rights of the poor, not about the moral guilt of the well-to-do who failed to refuse to make such means of sustenance available, but about moral injury to the poor. Who do not enjoy what they have a right to? What should we do then? You will ask, as asks a, a Christian professor, editor and author Marvin Olaski. He answers his own question in the introduction to his insightful book to the history of compassion in America. 
The answer is sitting on pages of old magazines and reports deep in the stacks of the Library of Congress. Americans in urban areas a century ago faced many of the problems we face today, and they came up with truly compassionate solutions. Later, Olaski says, what was their secret? Then he answers himself by saying, it was not neglect, either burning or malign, nor was it the showering of money on, on the poor, nor the triumph or, of an assistant spirit. They knew that private agencies could be just as bad as government ones. No charity workers a century ago were fired up by seven ideas and recent welfare practices has put on the back burner. For convenience of memory, these seven seals of good philanthropic practice can even be put in alphabetical order. A through all the way to G. Affiliation, bonding, categorization, discernment, employment, freedom, and God. Think about this, brethren. What are your perception of people who are poor? What do you consider to be the rights of the poor, based on this passage and your own life experiences? And what are the responsibilities of people who have money toward those who do not have money? Let us pray about these things. Let us ask God to make us good stewards of the poor, as he had instructed the Israelites. We pray. Our Father who art in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the provision you have given unto us. Thank you even for the knowledge you have given unto us that it is our duty to give to the poor, not because of guilt, conscience, but because it is the right of the poor to access these things. Lord, I ask that you help me now understand how I can give more to those people who need. Lord, I ask you to help the new insights I have gained in this topic to influence my actions in the future. Thank you for your love even when I didn't give to the poor and thank you for your continued provision even when I didn't provide for others. I promise, Lord, to now start giving to the poor as you give unto me, O Lord. It is a prayer of prayed, trusting and believing in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. That brings us to the end of our program for today. I hope that you've been blessed. We'd like to have your views, comments, or questions about this program. Please send them to the producer, Adventist All Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at Join me next time, same place, same time. But until then, may our good Lord keep you safe. I've been a presenter, Samuel Man.
Yeah.